Hey there, kiddos. What's shaking? Happy Monday. Happy, um, I guess it's a holiday. I mean, to be honest, I, I, all of these bank holidays, I never know when they are because uh, it makes no difference to me. And I'm always working. I'm probably teaching a yoga class or doing a horse massage or m- making music right this second because that's the kind of guy I am. Yeah. But I hope that you're having a great day and a day off. And maybe you're lying in the sun somewhere and listening to this podcast while someone brings you a margarita and you're getting a beautiful tan and you feel so warm and fresh on your skin. I really hope that for you. I'm also just conjuring that for myself because I'm going to Belize in a week or two weeks. And I am very, very excited about it. I cannot wait. Let's see. What did I want to tell you guys about? (laughs) Off to a great start. Oh, welcome to Mark and the Tiger Tales. It's a podcast about storytelling. I'm your host, Mark, from the band Mark and the Tiger. Great. Those are getting better each week. I'm really glad. Uh, (laughs) I was at a party yesterday. It was for a birthday, a surprise birthday, a surprise 45th birthday. And uh, it It was one of those parties where I'm in my 30s. I am 35 currently, and I have reached that age. Some people have already been there. I know. I get it. But I have finally reached that time where my friends are starting to have children, and close friends are starting to have children. And at this party yesterday, there sure were a lot of children. And listen, I like kids. They're great. I really enjoy my nieces. Uh, I I love my friend's baby. He's the best thing in the whole wide world. I love him. Just just eat his face. But man, I don't want kids myself. And I think Philip and I are on the same page like that. We seem to be. And and I I I think part of that is because. I'm so focused on my career right now. And a lot of people get to 35 and their careers have really done the thing, but mine has not. And I'm really cognizant about that. And I I am so set and like just I need to make this happen. And that is my focus. And the idea of having a child to pull focus away from that, uh, I just I just don't want it. I just don't want it at all. But I'm so happy that other people have kids and, you know, kudos for them. I'm glad they love it. It seems great. But there was something about this particular birthday party. We were down in Orange County. We were at a house and there were so many babies and so many small children. There weren't even that many. There were three babies and I think maybe two, I don't know, under 10 year olds. But it just seemed like a lot. And I was watching friends who I've, you know, seen do coke in the bathroom at the Abbey (laughs) so many times or, you know, just like. I don't know, just go crazy or, 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 or people who were also were very career focused and maybe they still are, but who that was what they talked about. And that was, and I was so aware at this party yesterday, the differences in conversations, and it was all about raising a family and raising children and how to raise a a being so that it doesn't die. And, and, I don't know. There's something about it that made me really sad. And it's all my own bullshit. Listen, everyone should have kids and, and do what they want to do and all that. But it made me really sad. And I think a part of that is because, uh, I don't know, when you're around people who are living their life and their dreams and you're still trying to make that happen, it's a bummer. As much as you might try and put on a brave face, it can be a real bummer. And when people are in the throes of their, like when people are successful around you, like their careers are going well, that doesn't, that doesn't necessarily feel the same as when people have babies. Cause it's like they have a baby and they have a family and then suddenly they're away from you. They're not, there's something that you can't connect with. And I spent a lot of this party feeling like I couldn't, connect with a lot of people that uh that I could connect with before or strangers that 
I, I didn't, I was trying to connect with to begin with, but then there was this a whole other thing that I couldn't connect with them on. So uh, it was, it was really rough and I don't get social anxiety at parties very much, but man, yesterday I was like ready to leave. I was really ready to leave. I don't know. It was just a weird observation. And the reason I bring it up is because in this interview today, or this this talk, I talk with a really amazing friend of mine. Her name is Natalie, and I've known her for, ooh, I don't know, uh, probably going on 10 years or so. And she's one of those friends where we haven't necessarily spent so much time together, but the time that we've spent together has been really transformative, intense periods, and we share very, very close mutual friends. And there's something about that, those kinds of relationships where even if you don't spend a lot of your life with a person, you've done things that just put your relationship on a different level. And it's pretty cool. It's pretty amazing. And and she's that for me. She's someone that I think of as being so wise and has contributed to a lot of my growth and my 35-year-old wisdom. (laughs) But we talk about her having her first baby. That's not what her story is about. She actually tells me a really cool, amazing story that was inspired by me. But the conversation does go to Babyville because that's where she's at right now. And it's pretty amazing to hear how it's transformed her life and, and how much of her world has transformed and changed because of her daughter. And I think maybe because I was editing this podcast right before I went to this party... And I was sort of in that mode. Maybe that contributed to my ennui about the whole situation. I don't know. Or maybe I'm just being a fucking Debbie Downer and I should pick myself up and go have a cocktail and get over it. Uh, (laughs) I don't know. Um, I'm curious to hear what you guys think. But I know that you're going to love this chat. I know that you're going to love the story because Natalie... The reason I wanted to have her on is because she's an actress and a spiritual teacher, and she can just tell a really great story. That's why I have everyone on here. And this one is one of the first times that someone has not told me a story that is personal to them. I mean, it sort of is in a way, but it's one written by somebody else that she has chosen to bring in, and uh, and I really appreciate it. So, I've been rambling enough. I'm going to just get right into it. I hope you guys enjoy it. I will see you on the other side. And I love you, tigers. I'm going to go cry for a little bit. (laughs) And I'll be back later on. See ya! Tell me a story. All right. I'm going to read you a story so I make okay. sure I don't get it wrong. Does yeah, that still work? It. Oh, yeah. Is that absolutely. Still, uh, it can be anything. Does that still fulfill the creative brief? <laughs> the, the brief that had no brief at all? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> all right. This is not my story. This is from the lovely uh, Pema Troden, who we love very much. Okay. So here's a story from one of her wisdoms. And this is inspired by you and your name, just so you know. By me and my name? Yes. Okay. There is a story of a woman running away from tigers. She runs and she runs and the tigers are getting closer and closer. When she comes to the edge of a cliff, she sees some vines there. So she climbs down and she holds onto the vines. And then looking down, she sees that there are tigers below her as well. And then she notices that a mouse is gnawing away at the vine to which she is clinging. She also sees a beautiful little bunch of strawberries close to her, growing out of a clump of grass. She looks up, she looks down, she looks at the mouse, and then she takes a strawberry, puts it in her mouth, and enjoys it thoroughly. Tigers above, tigers below. This is actually the predicament we are always in, in terms of our birth and our death. Each moment is just what it is. It might be the only moment of our life. It might be the only strawberry we'll ever eat. We could get depressed about it, or we could finally appreciate it and delight 
in the preciousness of every single moment of our lives. Oh my goodness, that's beautiful. That is so I can't beautiful. Take any credit, it's not mine. <laughs> well, you However, brought it to I my do, attention. I do read this story very, very often. To you, who is the author again? Pema Troden. I don't know her. I'm saying She's um wonderful. She's a Buddhist monk, I believe, a uh, spiritual teacher. Really amazing, amazing, and lots of beautiful books and wisdoms. Yeah. And what made you choose that story today to tell? Well, it really is a story that I, I am with all the time. And then because you are Mark and the Tiger, it just immediately came to my consciousness about this tiger, tigers, tigers. Um, but I I speak all the time to actors and to myself as an actor about this kind of feeling as we're going about our lives and our work, it's like, I got to do this. I got to do this. I got to get better. I got to work on my craft. I got to, and there's this constant thing of like all the distractions and all the things I got to do. And then there's like the remembrance of the gift that I get to do it. There's the remembrance of like, I'm this creative being and I have this impulse and like for some weird reason that I don't know, this talent that's in my body chose my body. It didn't chose, it didn't choose, you know, Meryl Streep or Denzel Washington or whatever else it could have chosen. And like this impulse chose me, chose my little body and my little life. And so it believes in me. It believes in my ability to bring it into manifestation for, for, so it must have a wisdom I don't have or that I forget. So it's for me, this story is just this constant reminder of, am I truly savoring the strawberry of every moment of my life? Or am I really getting caught up in the story of who I think I should be by now or what I think my life should look like by now or how much money I think I should have in the bank by right, right now or whatever else those other things are. So I've been you know, teaching on this and living on this for a long time or trying to live on this for a long time. And then I was pregnant with my daughter and she was supposed to be born at the end of June. And on the night of the strawberry full moon, June 15th, 2022, oh. my water broke. And I was like, Oh, got it. Got it. She's going to be born tonight. She's going to be born the night of the strawberry full moon. So literally between contractions, when I'm like experiencing the worst <laughs> experience of pain I've ever felt in my life. I was like, savor the strawberry savor like i was really having to like as a meditation between you know throwing up and contractions and this horrible pain and then when you know it this little miracle showed up in my life i'm like what what your little strawberry yeah. my little strawberry showed up yeah wow yeah that is so beautiful you know it's funny because it actually reminds me a lot of what we were talking about speaking to just before we hit record about being in these places where, I mean, the tigers are all around you and it can be so easy to forget about the gifts that you have and the reason you chose to be an artist or the reason you chose to follow your passion because the, the feelings of, I don't know, jadedness and, and people's desire for you to be something or what you think you have to be is just all encompassing. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think most of us sort of, you know, live this life of the dangling carrot, right? There's the thing that we want. And then we spend our whole lives chasing the dangling carrot. And even when we get it, it doesn't really, for me, anyway, there's always a new carrot. There's always a new carrot. Yeah. And I don't feel happiness and joy when I get the carrot. If anything, I feel relief. Like, Oh, thank goodness that like that validates me or that proves I'm really supposed to do this or, okay, but now I got to go to the next thing. And it's not really fulfilling, but there's something about that strawberry that teaches me what real fulfillment looks like, which is not in the result of the thing, but it's like who I get to be as the being who's experiencing the thing and what I get to choose as I'm experiencing it. Do you find that your daughter helps you with that now? I mean, because obviously I feel like being a mother is one of the most challenging things ever. So I imagine it would be hard sometimes to keep that in your mind. <laughs> yeah, I, I would say like the whole process of like giving birth to a human for me feels exactly like giving birth to anything else, whether it's like a record or a story or really? a business, whatever. Like it all feels like the same path, which is 
It's the thing that you are utterly here to do and it's undeniable and everything about it triggers everything about you (laughs) (laughs) in 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 the best way possible of like it 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 calls you to be the person it needs for it to actually be here in a sustained way so the things that i could normally fall victim to inside myself like it's not on the table anymore because she needs me to not yeah. And her survival is dependent on, and not only her survival, but her thriving, her, who she sees a woman be in the world, who she sees her dad be in the world, who, she, who what she sees this world to be, if she sees it to be a place of flourishing and love and humanity, or if she sees it as a place to fear, like all of that comes from what we are living. And uh, the one triggering thing about a child is they never, ever do what you say, but they they be who you are being. Mm -hmm. So it's the ultimate mirror back to you of like, Oh, am I moving from fear? Am I savoring that strawberry? Am I moving too fast? I mean, for sure that the thing that I see in creative flow is like time just goes away and just have to be in the creative flow of whatever you're doing. And little people live like that every second of their lives. They're just always in creative flow and so you being like, yeah, we have to put shoes on right now totally interrupts their flow all the time, right? So, I'm on the verge of greatness right now. I can't put them on. Cannot, right? So there's this thing of, oh, what she constantly reminds me of is how much time I spend avoiding the flow because I'm trying to get things done and be an adult and how important it is to go, oh, what? even if I have five minutes, what would that look like for me to actually like remember who I am and be in the flow of that mm-hmm. as opposed to like this checklist of what I think I'm supposed to accomplish. It's a real delicate thing. It, it's it's a fine line. You're right. Well, and I imagine, because as I think about it, I don't often think about, because I don't have a child myself, but I don't always think about it from a child's perspective, but I imagine it's a fine line to be child because as you say, because your world is so limited, you are naturally kind of in the moment of whatever you're experiencing. If there's a butterfly and you've never seen a butterfly before, you're going to be all in on that. But at the same time, there's no real emotional control. So you also are going to want what you want it now. Do you see that in her where it's that fine kind of balance of she's in the moment, but also there are desires that she doesn't quite understand? Totally. And, and it, it, it almost reminds me of like, um, we, as we, as humans, every single thing, basically we look at or see or do or touch or experience, we have preference about everything. Like I'm not actually seeing the world as it is. I'm seeing the world through the filters of my own preferences and what has Mm. occurred in my life thus far. But with a new human, they don't have any of that. They're just experiencing it purely. So she could see a snake or a butterfly and she thinks that they're both amazing and has no idea that how she should feel about either of those things. And it's a really delicate thing to go. My job is to ensure her safety. So in doing that, I have to say a snake, like reaching out for the snake is not a good (laughs) thing. Don't grab this snake. But every time you enforce a preference you turn them into less of the magical being that they are <laughs> you know what i mean it's that like is i have really to humanize her fascinating. i have to take her from spirit and make her a human <laughs> you know i watched a video this was a few years ago but it was talking about a horse trainer actually this is going to come back around i promise so she was a horse trainer and i guess because of developments that were happening in or like uh building developments that were happening in the middle of america these wild mustangs were losing their home so she volunteered to train these mustangs so that even though they were being displaced they could then be domesticated and still have a life and it was like giving them a new purpose but I remember the most profound part of that was there's one moment where she's talking about how she trains the horses and she just breaks down and she's like, there's always a moment where I have to take their wildness from them. And it's the most heartbreaking thing, even though, as you said about teaching your daughter, you're doing it to give them a life that, you know, has longevity and safety in 
in order to do that, she had to take this really precious thing. But I don't, I don't often think about that in terms of people until you shared exactly that. Fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really interesting thing because I think all of us, many people I know, or certainly myself, like, uh, part of how I'm understanding myself as a human is trying to like dismantle all the stuff I've been taught to get back to that purity of my creative impulses or my spirit or like, and that's why for me, creativity feels so good because it's so raw and it's so pure and it doesn't really make sense. And it doesn't really go with anything mm-hmm. that's necessarily supposed to right? So that always feels like tapping back to that place. So it's like, we come in from that pure place we get domesticated and then we spend our domestic life trying to get back to the purity. <laughs> it's like a really <laughs> weird thing to be a human being. If being a human is really nuts. You're so, so right. What do you find it's to so- be your tigers? Like as you go through your life, what are the things that you have to keep? I don't want to say forcing out because in some ways the tigers are really important, but what are these things that are trying to distract you from the strawberry? Yeah, I think I think there's inner and outer ones. You know, mm-hmm. I think uh I think like the outer tigers of life are the stories and conditionings of, you know, I mean, capitalism and patriarchy and all these kinds of things, but like these structures that keep us going. I have to work as hard as I can and I have to do as much as I can and make as much as I can. I think that keeps me out of present moment lots of the time because there might be an impulse to do something that feels like a creative impulse from my soul. It's like, I don't have time for that. I got to, I got to get my homework done or I got to, you know, go to this shift or I got to do the thing, you know? Um, So I think survival in and of itself, like I think that can be a bit of a tiger that we have to fight against, you know, because Mm -hmm. we got to, you got to pay our rent and you got to do the things right. You got to put food in your body. And and so sometimes that, that sometimes can feel like a tiger if it gets in the way of other impulses that want to come up. And I think too, like, there's then the inner tigers of, you know, we can talk about it from like a psychology perspective of like those like inner core beliefs, but they're the things like unworthiness and unlovability and badness that we're always trying to avoid feeling. And so it's like, I build a whole life trying to prove I'm X, Y, or Z so that I don't have to feel those other things. And I think those things take me out of like, the strawberry of the truth of who you are, which is like, you're a brilliant being who's flawed and wonderful and messy. And that's all okay. You don't have to strive to be perfect. You don't have to strive to have everybody like you or, you know, all those things. And then I also think our addictions and I, I'm mm-hmm. used that word like very, very loosely because I, for me, from, from my worldview, and this isn't like the truth with a capital T, this is just my truth. I feel like we're all addicts. All of us, I feel like are addicted to something. And I feel like whatever the discomfort is that I can't sit with or can't bear to feel the thing I pick up. So I don't have to feel that is the thing I'm addicted to. And for me, that's often control. As long as I feel like I'm in control, I don't have to feel out of control or I don't have to feel unsafe. But then, but then that's an addiction. It's akin to me picking up like a bottle or a substance, right? Of like, oh, so sometimes savoring the strawberry is just sitting with whatever it is and not picking up the mechanism that I would want to pick up to make myself feel more comfortable. So I think, you know, the strawberry isn't always juicy and delicious. Sometimes the strawberry is just like the the truth that my body wants to feel. husband and I joke because I met him traveling in France. I and remember. Then when we were falling in love, it was just like, it was I, we always joke that we were like on an episode of The Bachelor, you know, because like we'd only <laughs> ever gone to the States. So it was like, well, I'll meet you in Italy or now we'll go here. But like, it was all just like, like a whirlwind romance. Right. And then now all of a sudden we're like changing diapers and you know, chopping up tomatoes and having spit up all over us. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> oh, okay. but the, so what would have seemed like, oh my gosh, you used to live this fabulous, 
life together. And now you have this kind of humdrum one. It's like the way for me, the ceilings actually got higher was not by having the most uh, biggest, splashiest, fanciest, romantic. It was by like allowing my soul to deepen into the experience of life in a, in a way like allowing a vulnerability and intimacy with life that I had never felt before. Cause like, there's nothing more vulnerable than the moment your baby's on you for the first time. And you're like, I've never felt joy this big. And I've never felt terror this big because they're so fragile and it's all my job. Wow. It's all in my hands. And so who I have to be in this moment is so, it's so vulnerable to know that, that this little being, like if I drop them, it's over, you know? So it's, it's, it develops this like intimacy and who you have to look at yourself to be there. There's a, there's a deepening of life that I actually think causes things that wouldn't normally be maybe for someone a peak experience to now feel like a peak experience for me because my, my depth has gone so much further. And has that changed the rest of your life too? Cause you talked about having a child felt very similar or if not the same as all the other creative births that you have. So has that deepening changed how you relate to acting and the stories that you tell? Yeah, I think it really has. And I think, um, I mean, I have access to, well, the best thing was the first job I booked after having the baby, I was like four months postpartum and I was on set and they're like, we need you to cry. I'm like, easy. I but I think in the same way, I think I've never written music, but I can imagine someone who creates an album or I can imagine someone who writes like a screenplay or um, like you build your first business or like, I think all of the creative babies grow and stretch us and move us. And it carves out an interior landscape where we have an ability to feel more things. Mm. So I think as an actor, I can feel way more and I have access to more than I ever had before. But I don't think you have to have a baby to have that as an actor. I think you can have that through acting as well or through like any creative birthing that you go through, I think can offer that um, invitation. I just think you have to be, you know, the brave soul who's like, all right, carve me out. Let me let go of who I was to see who else is here. I really like how you say that because I think if we go back to that idea of eating that strawberry, sometimes it is just allowing yourself to be open to a way of thinking or being that maybe before you were closed off of because those tigers were keeping you afraid. And if you can allow yourself to push through a barrier and create something new or have a new experience, then you suddenly have this whole wealth of understanding and emotional depth that is, was never there before no matter what, what endeavor it was. Yeah. And then I think sometimes you get to the point where you're like, would I know this strawberry tasted this good if it wasn't for the tigers? If it's a really good strawberry, maybe, but if it's farmer, farmer <laughs> fresh, but right? let's see. Right? Yeah. No, that's like, true. Yeah. Like it seems like life says this is how it goes. You know what I mean? Like I went through labor to give birth to the baby and that was you know, levels of pain, the human body isn't even capable of experiencing, but that's how, that's how I got big enough to birth her. And yeah, so literally, <laughs> literally, you know, like that's what a contraction is. It's like, it's stretching you, it's opening you. Um, and so sometimes I think those contractions of life that we can think I'm on this creative path. I have this creative vision. I have this person I want to be. I have this thing I want to do. And then we can think, why are there so many tigers? Why is it so hard? Why are there so many obstacles? Why are there so many roadblocks? If I was really supposed to do this, wouldn't all those things not be there? It's like, no, those things, those things are there because you're on the right path, because you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, because you're answering the call. Like They have to be there because you don't know what the strawberry is if they're not. 
You know, you remind me, you remember Alicia Ziegler, right? Very so well. I remember there was a time, yeah, she's wonderful. I hadn't seen her in a few years. I think this was 2019 and I had just had like a musical upset that really set me back mentally where I was just so depressed. And I, you know, we all have those moments of artists, I think, where you're like, maybe this is just not going to happen or maybe like where you just can't get your head straight. And I remember I was in Whole Foods. It was so random. And I ran into her and I was, you know, we were doing that, that five minute kind of quick catch up. And I was just, you know, unloading a little bit. And she said exactly that same thing. She said, well, of course, of course this didn't work out. It, you, the universe is trying to make sure you actually want this. You know, it can't mm. just give you what you want because then how are you going to know if you're actually strong enough to do it? It's giving you challenges that you have to rise up to in order to get strong enough or in order to have these contractions to make you big enough in order to do this thing that you're so passionate about. And I never thought about obstacles in that way before as some, you know, that challenge to overcome. I mean, yes, in terms mm. of challenge, but as seeing the obstacles as validation that this is actually exactly what you're supposed to do. Uh, yeah, because I think that probably every path has within it the wisdom what of you, what you need to learn for you to become the person who can hold the manifestation, right? So especially in the music industry, some pretty big personalities and big things that you have to hold at the highest level when you're like, when you're working at a highest level in that industry, there's some pretty big stuff to hold there. You know what I mean? And so the obstacles are sort of the thing that make you the person who can, when that moment yeah. comes, you know, there was this really great uh, podcast by Michael Singer. I don't, do you, do you know Michael Singer? He wrote the book, the untethered soul. Oh, yes. I know that book. I don't know his podcast at all or any of his other works. He's like one of my faves, but he just was talking on his podcast the other day. And this like stopped me in my tracks is he said, imagine you were like praying or asking the universe, like my dream, everything I want to do is to play basketball. And all of a sudden you woke up one day and you just threw the ball and it went in the basket and you threw it again, it went in the basket and you threw it again, it went in the basket. And all day, all day, all day, it just kept going in the basket. It kept going. You're like, oh my God, this is a miracle. Like I said, I wanted to play basketball and like, I, I can, and I'm, I'm like the best at it. And like, and so then it's like, you join a team and then like everyone wants you on their team and like, you, you can't do anything wrong. You always, it always goes in it always goes in. It always goes in. And he's like, how long would it be before you didn't want to do it anymore? Mm. What a game anymore. There's no growth. There's no journey. There's no satisfaction when it goes in the net anymore. It doesn't even feel good when it goes in the net anymore. There, there's, it doesn't move you. There's no passion. There's no, people don't want to play with you. Like, what's the point of playing with him? This is going to go in every time. And before you knew it, the thing that you wanted most that brought you the most joy has become the thing you can't wait to get further away from. So sometimes I wonder if the desire to do something isn't given it to us so that we magically wake up one day and just do it. The desire to do it is because there's a, there's a process of evolution. There's a process of carving out. There's a process of knowing myself. There's a process of what I came on this earth to experience myself as and going after that thing is the way my soul's decided to do it. But getting the thing is kind of neither here nor there. How did you first come to know that about yourself, that you that, that this is something that you were passionate about, that you want to do, and that you love, and you want to tell these stories in, in the way that you do? I like that you framed it as storytelling because sometimes I think people ask me the question of like, when did you first want to be an actor? I'm like, I don't, I don't think I even knew what an actor was. Like, I mean, I, I saw people on television or whatever, but I don't even think I equated that with like a job that you could do. Mm -hmm. But what I was interested in is storytelling. That was the whole point. Like the whole point was I can use my body or I can use my voice to tell a story. 
that was the thing I was jazzed by. Um, and I grew up in a really small town. I think there was like 800 people in my community. It was a really small place in, you know, near Maine in New Brunswick yeah. in Canada. And, uh, and I, you know, where I grew up there, it wasn't like anyone from there goes to Broadway or it wasn't like anyone from there goes on to be a television star. You know, we we're in like a farming community where it's, it's a very quiet community. Um, but my days were just filled with talking to trees and um, playing make-believe and running around the forest. And I I remember uh, when the Beauty and the Beast, the Disney soundtrack came out and I had it like in my, in like cassette, <laughs> cassette tape. Oh, yeah. And I used to look. I I had like a, I got a blue and white dress to look like Belle. And I used to look in the mirror and I used to sing to myself like belting my little head off. Like I want much more than this provincial life and just tears in my eyes. And like, you know, like I'm, there's like my big Broadway moment and like where that came from. I don't know. No one in my family was, you know, musical or creative or actors, but like, I just had this spark and I would get all my cousins together and say, okay, we're going to do a play in uh, our grandmother's basement. We're going to charge everyone a dollar to come and you're going to play this role and you're going to play that. And, you know, we'd make up stories and we'd make up songs and we'd sing them and we'd perform them. And, and it was never about ever doing it professionally. It was always just storytelling connection, mm -hmm. storytelling connection. And I didn't know what it was called or, or what we were doing until like I ended up going to school and then there would be like the school play. I said, oh, what's the school play? Wait, we, oh, there's like, we can, you know, and, and then it just became, but like many other kids, I did lots of things. I played basketball. I played badminton. I liked French class. I like, it wasn't like acting was like the be all and end all just, it was always, it was always there. The thread was always there, but it was about connection and storytelling for me a hundred percent. And then it, it was when I was, um, it was when I was, had just graduated from high school, actually. And I was sort of debating if I wanted to go into like maybe being like a news reporter or maybe going into like public relations. Well, I could actually see you as a journalist, actually. Right? You say that I could see you as a news anchor. Like a travel journalist yes. or acting or teaching. Like I, I had all these ideas and I and, you know, I didn't. I certainly did not have the confidence to say actor. I just didn't have the confidence to do it. And, you know, this wonderful man named Jim Miles, who's no longer here, he always did like the high school musicals and all these things. And he created these beautiful productions in our little hometown. And he called me one day and I was in university and he said, um, we're going to do a production of Les Miserables and you should audition for this role of Eponine. And I was like, I've never heard of it. Like, what? It, what what's the thing? Like, uh, you know, I, I literally would never heard of it. I was so out of touch. I just, and I got the CD and I was listening to it and I was just sobbing. I was like, I love whatever this is. I love it. Whatever this is, you know, and I, mm. I auditioned and I got the role and I will never, ever, ever forget something happened to me on that stage singing on my own. I, something clicked inside of me that I had always felt on my own. And the only thing that ever made me feel connected to anything was this thing, was storytelling and art and acting and music. It was the only thing that ever made me not feel lonely. And I realized in that moment, I had had a wonderful childhood, but I always felt lonely. I always felt incredibly alone. And that was the only place I didn't. And as soon as I knew that, I'm like, well, that's that. I got to do this for the rest of my life then. Oh, that is beautiful. I, I I love that. I'm so glad you said that too, because that is really the reason I wanted to make this podcast and why I love stories so much is because I think in no matter how you tell a story or how you receive a story, it is about connection at the end of the day. There's no other reason to tell stories other than to connect with people and to share experiences. And then so cut to, you know, I, I went to be an actor, like I moved to Toronto and I went to be an actor. And had great success for a while and it was working and it was awesome. And I was booking jobs and I was in movies. And then all of a sudden one day it just all stopped. And I couldn't, like, I couldn't get an audition. I couldn't get hired. I, I was like, what happened? What happened? And, and I knew something I knew in my soul somehow, like something inside of me, something happened, something clicked off. Something wasn't, wasn't jiving. Something wasn't great. And that was when I, 
moved to LA for a year. Mm-hmm. And that was when I met you. That's right. I moved to LA for a year and I did yoga tre- teacher training and I did meditation training. And I, I learned, I, that was when I really started creating a path for myself where mindset and spirituality and acting were really linked. They were always linked for me as a kid, as I said, but I got domesticated and I forgot. And I started thinking Mm -hmm. it was like a job and it was about fame and it was about how you looked. And, and I got really obsessed with all those things. And then I had to, thankfully the obstacle came in that forced me to go back to storytelling, to go back to connection, to go back to it being a spiritual path. Then I leave LA and I go back to Toronto and I'm like jazzed because I'm like, I have all these new tools and all actors need to learn these tools. And I'm so excited to bring all these tools of like visualization and positive mindset. I'm like, everyone needs to know about these things. So I I started doing that. I, I was working at a yoga studio and I was teaching all these classes, like yoga classes, but also just like these mindset classes and these meditation classes. And I was doing these meditations on envisioning your dreams. And, and all my meditations were stories. They were stories that I would weave and take people on these journeys and meditation and restorative poses and things like that. And it was just, it got hugely popular and it was so fun. And it was just something so nice to do alongside of being an actor. And then this director came into town and she was doing this musical in town and she heard about my yoga class. And so she came and I didn't know, but she came and took my yoga class And she said it was like totally life transforming for her. And then like months later, we connected at the opening of this project that she was doing. And she's like, I'm in love with you. I took your class. I'm in love with you. What are you about? Tell me everything about you. Like we have to be best friends. We have to do something together. And that was Kristen Hange, who's one of my very best friends. And we literally like- I can hear her voice saying all the things as well. Uh, and imagine this woman, how cool she is. We're at the opening of this, you know, musical that she's doing in Toronto, one of the biggest theaters. And her and I are tucked in a corner talking about like spirituality and, you know, like creativity. And we're just like in love with each other. And all these like fancy people want to talk to her. And she's like, whatever. Like I'm having a soul connection, you know? And, uh, and she's like, what's your dream? And all these things. I'm like, I want to move to New York. I want to da 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 da. Anyway, like long story short her and I both ended up in New York and in part because of her and we met for lunch and she's like, okay, let's, let's like do something together. Like, here's what I do outside of being a director. She's like, tell me what you do but outside of being an actor. And we both had this deep passion of taking these spiritual mindset, holistic tools and bringing them to at, to artists. So she worked with writers and directors and I was working with actors and we were like, what if we could create something where all artists could have this community, this space, we could bring tools and teachings. And it started with a seven week course that we did. And then it, it evolved into, you know, teaching all around the world, doing a podcast and doing retreats and just having like a lot of fun with my best friend, <laughs> you know, um, sharing with artists, these like much of like what we're talking about today, these ideas about how you can sustain yourself as an artist, how you can know yourself as an artist, how you can bring your creations to life because it's so vulnerable and it's so much easier not to do it. It's so much easier at any part of the road to just go, Oh, I'm out, you know? So mm-hmm. Being in the game is so vulnerable and so brave. And we were like, let's just build a community where we can support people around that as much as possible. Incredible. And that community's really grown exponentially since you started. Yeah. 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 We, I mean, yeah, we have, I mean, we have a Facebook group and all those kinds of things, but it's, it's more that we've got to see these babies get like get created and and grown up. Like we've seen people create projects. We've seen people become, you know, uh, leads on shows or we've seen people write their dream role. We've seen people release albums, like uh, create their short film. Like we, we, we get to see the babies grow up, which is really exciting. That's amazing. That's so beautiful. Your life has become about watching beautiful babies people, uh, from birth. To Gosh, yeah. I'm, such, I'm such a midwife. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, you are just a beautiful, creative midwife. I love that. <laughs> How do you find yeah. that helping other people 
unlock their stories compares to your own storytelling or your own creativity? You know, is there like a nuance that combines them or do they feel like separate things? I would just say that when I'm just me by myself outside of community, I will spend way too much time focusing on the tigers. Mm. And I will get lost in fighting off the tigers, solving the problem of the tigers, you know. And when I work with others, it constantly brings me into appreciation and gratitude and love for them and love for what they're doing and desire for them. And it working with other people becomes a strawberry for me. And it gets me out of my own head and out of my own sabotage and out of my own stuff. And it also really helps me to see how, how life needs us and it needs what we want to create. So then it's easier for me to go back to my own stuff and go, no, this is important. And someone does need this because I see it over there and I know it's true over there. So it must be true for me too. Do you know the story of Hanuman from Hinduism and how, <laughs> and his powers? One of my absolute favorites. I love that. I'm going to tell it for the sake of our listeners, Please if you don't mind. Because- I, love I, I almost wanted to tell you what I didn't know because I really wanted to hear. <laughs> I, well, I'll give, I'm going to give the Cliff Notes version. It's so funny that this is coming up because I taught a yoga class this morning and I told this story in class this morning. It's just, it, you know, it all, it all comes together the way it's supposed to. But for anyone listening who doesn't know, Hanuman is a god in Hinduism. He's a monkey god. And there are a few different variations of the myth of how he got his powers that I have heard. But the long and the short of it is he is this incredibly powerful being. He can grow to the size of a mountain and he can shrink to the size of a mouse and run incredibly fast. And he's super strong and can leap uh, to the ends of the world. But in order for him to not be so powerful, all of the other gods got together and they put, I, I don't want to say a curse because I feel like what actually happened is so beautiful, but they put a caveat on his powers that he would retain them all and be incredibly powerful, but he would forget that he was powerful unless he was in 100% service to another being. So 90% of the time, he was just good old Hanuman laughing, having fun, just a regular old monkey god. But then whenever someone needed him, then he would suddenly remember that he had all of these divine powers and he would be able to come in and save the day. And there are so many myths of him going off and doing that. But exactly what you said in that story of you helping other people and how that fuels your fire and and freshens, ripens those strawberries, that's exactly what I what I thought of being in service and how that really brings out your own abilities and powers. Yeah. And I think that with the art too, right? Like if I'm creating this or if I'm acting in this role and like what I want to come out of that is for me to feel good or for me to feel like a great actor or for me to get accolades or for my star meter to rise or whatever those things are. It's a very, very different offering than if I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm showing up in devotion to the kid from the small town who's watching this on their TV. Who's like, wait, maybe I can do that. Natalie, thank you so much for talking to me and for being so gracious and wonderful. I love it. I'm just so happy to see you. It's so great. I I love what you're doing. So cool. I appreciate that. And I am so just happy to see you thriving with your beautiful family and your art. Amazing. Thank you. All right. Well, I will end this now. Thank you so much again. And we'll see you very soon. See you soon. 
Can that woman spin a yarn or what? I, You know, this podcast has been really great because while not all of the guests that I have interviewed have been my friends, a lot of them are. And when you do things like this and you hear people's stories and you have conversations that are really poignant and pointed, you start to realize how fucking great your friends are. Well, hopefully. I mean, maybe your friends suck. I don't know. But I have found that my friends are awesome and smart, and it's it's really lovely. Uh, I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. It's funny, I... As much as I'm, like, bitching and moaning about children, it's conversations like that with Natalie and hearing what she has to say about how much her life has changed and the wisdom that her daughter has brought to her. That is the kind of thing where you're like, well, fuck, should I have one too? I want to, I want that. But no, I don't want that. I really don't. I, I'm, I'll take the wisdom and leave the kid at home and uh, <laughs> go on vacation. <laughs> um, I'm gonna, this was a little bit longer. So normally I would tell you guys another story maybe or something, but I think I'm gonna leave it at that for today because I don't want to drag on and on and on. But as always, oh, fuck, I haven't checked the email this week. Oh, man. Well, (laughs) uh, if you want to send me a story to read on here, if you have something you want to tell me, email me at tigertalespod at gmail.com. And I I will check. I have not checked this week, and I I guess I really should have. Whoops. Uh, I'll get better about that. And in the meantime, you can follow me at Mark and the Tiger on all the places. And I can't wait to see you guys again next week. There are so many amazing stories to be told, and I want to hear them all. Bye, my loves. I'll see you later. If you enjoyed Mark and the Tiger Tales and you want to keep the good times rolling, well, then make sure you rate and subscribe and leave us a review. Only five stars. Thank you very much. And I promise I will get you so many stories. Just all all the stories. So much storytelling for you. Goodbye. Goodbye.